Welcome into the Sports Objective as we have part two as a look around the state of North Carolina for college basketball, 18 Division I schools. This is part two. And Bubba, another great show ahead. Yeah, Dave, really enjoyed part one. You caught up with either the head coach or, you know, play-by-play voice or a beat writer at those six institutions. And you had the four ACC programs in addition to East Carolina and App State. And that one has been very um, well listened to thus far. Um, and I'm sure it will continue to be the case over the next week uh, up to tip-off. Um, but today we have six head coaches with us, and we'll be taking a look at Western Carolina, UNC Asheville, Gardner-Webb, North Carolina A&T, Elon, and North Carolina Central. Um, like I said, I'm very fortunate to be able to catch up with those six head coaches, and I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say about their programs. That's right, Bob. A lot of great talent as far as coaches. We'll find out uh, that very thing. Uh, three new head coaches in the state of North Carolina out of the 18, as we've told you about in our previous show, part one. And uh, we'll be talking to some more today. In fact, uh, Bubba, do you want to go ahead and start uh, the show? Yeah, we'll start off and we'll go geographically. We'll start in the West and uh, work West to East. Um, we'll begin things with Western Carolina's head coach, Mark Prosser, of course, the son of Skip Prosser. Um, he's do doing an excellent job there in Cullowee. Uh, with the Catamounts uh, last season, they showed tremendous improvement, uh, won 18 ball games, and uh, really uh, rose um, in the ranks there in the uh, Southern Conference, a tremendous league that had the likes of East Tennessee and several other quality programs. Um, but let's go to that conversation right now with the head coach of the Western Carolina Catamounts, Mark Prosser. We continue on with our Division I basketball preview as we take a trip around the state of North Carolina. Uh, we just talked to uh, Tim Kraft at Gardner-Webb. We're going to stay in the western part of the state, go to Cullowee, as now we are joined by the third-year head coach of the Western Carolina Catamounts, Mark Prosser. Coach, welcome in. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor, and uh, like I said, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to have you covering this side of the state as well. Absolutely, and we appreciate your time, appreciate you coming on. Um, so just going into year three there at Western Carolina, just talk about the transition and, the, and just the way your program has been transformed from, from year one when you went 7-25 and 25 to 19-12 and 12 a season ago. Yeah, you know what, we were, we were fortunate. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, when you come into a program, um, you know, you might go when jobs come open, there's a lot of, there's a lot of situations, and there's a lot of circumstances that uh, you may walk into. But, um, you know, fortunately for us, we came into a situation that was already, you know, really well, uh, well done and very much up and running. And Coach Hunter and his staff have done a great job here for a long, long time. So, um, you know, there was, there was a little bit of an adjustment period for us, a little, you know, as far as style of play and things like that. Um, and, you know, I think the thing that we did and, and we decided as a coaching staff and, and my staff is much smarter than I am and they're, they're right, um, was, you know, we decided very early on to go ahead and implement a system that we were going to be consistent with and we were going to stick with over the course of time and, and develop sort of a, um, a culture of who we were going to be as a program. And, and, you know, as we implemented that as our first year um, came along and went along, it certainly uh, had some bumps along the way. 
Um, you know, I think like anything else, the more time you have a chance to spend in, uh, you know, in a system offensively, defensively, the more comfortable you get with it. Um, you know, we, we did, I think, over the course of a year, we got a little more comfortable with what we were doing. We, um, you know, we're fortunate to, uh, to have some really good players here that, uh, that were here when we arrived, and certainly very good ones that, that have come since we've arrived. And so um, it's just been a lot of fun. Um, you know, we've had unbelievable support from our administration. This league is really, really good. And uh, if you want to have a chance to be good in this league, you better have support of your entire uh, administration and really the university. And uh, they want us to be good. They've given us resources to to have a chance to compete and um you know that's what we're trying to do on a game in game out basis but man it's hard in this league before we hone in on this year's club i want to talk about something that transpired um at, back in the last week of march uh, you received the honor of being named skip prosser man of the year by collegeinsider.com so so just talk about that i mean obviously that's an award that takes on a totally different meaning because of that being your father yeah, it's actually, the funny thing is, it's funny we're talking today, this would have been my father's 70th birthday. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was a, that was an unbelievable surprise. <laughs> you know, I had, I obviously, you know, from the implementation of that award, I, I've had a very good relationship even before that with the people at College Insider. And uh, really when, when Joe Dwyer, who's a, an amazing person, does a great thing for mid-major basketball, um, when he called that day, I had no idea really why I was <laughs> why I was calling. Uh, but when he uh, when he told me about it, it was just extremely flattering and such an honor. And um, it means a lot. I think you know the people that have won the award in the past that have all reached out and um, and they've been very appreciative of it. Um, you know, I'm, I, and I'm, I, I certainly join those ranks as well. Um, like you said, it means a little something different for me, um, and for a lot of reasons. I hope that. Uh, I'm doing things both on and off the basketball court that, that he would be proud of. But, um, you know, any of those awards or anything, you know, that happens like that is a testament to your team. And our kids had a really good year. Um, we're sort of disappointed, I think, in how it ended. I think we felt as though we had a team that could compete for a championship. And when you play in the semifinals, I guess, I guess you do. Um, but, uh, but anything we did, the wins and everything else, and you know, the things that our team did was just really a tribute to our staff who does a really good job and, and our kids who, who came to work every day and just a really, really fun group of great kids and a fun group to coach. You talk about the kids, obviously the craziness of the last seven months. Um, I cannot imagine being 18 to 22 years old and going through what they've gone through um, because it's hard enough as an adult, as you can attest and, and, and as I can attest. But uh, I know one of the things that you said um, with practice starting up, you said that this really you know, created a newfound appreciation for how fortunate we are to play and coach the game that we love and the effort of our young men and the practices thus far mirrors that appreciation. So just talk about makeup of this year's team specifically in that regard. Yeah, it's so funny. I was – um, I was talking to your point. I was talking to Matt Halverson, who's a senior of ours, who's had an unbelievable career at Western Carolina. Um, and we were talking his practice wore down the other day. And, it, and honestly, and I, I mean this, like we've tried to end practice a couple of times and our kids don't want to leave. <laughs> it's, it's coach. Can we, can we, can we run it back? Coach, can we do it again? Um, and, and, you know, I was talking to Matt about it. I said, listen, you know, we're going to get close to our <laughs> NCAA hours here pretty soon. You guys, we can't even kick you guys out of here. And he said exactly that. He said, coach, I just think we all appreciate now a little bit differently the, 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 the being able to play the game that we love. 
Um, and we're just having so much fun in practice right now. We really just want to keep competing and, and, and keep getting better now. Um, I'm not saying that the quality of play has been that great, um, but, you know, that's our job as coaches to clean all that stuff up. And, uh, but I think they're having a lot of fun with it now that we can be back in the gym, now that, um, you know, because it is, it's, it's, it's really we're asking those college-age kids to do something that, we've never asked college age kids to do in history, especially, you know, athletes in college that, you know, any college kid, you used to doing things a certain way. And um, they've had to make tremendous sacrifices to have the opportunity to play this year. And, um, you know, they've done so they've, they've, they've been very, very responsible. They've listened. Um, they've been very honest and, and, you know, it's, it's hard on a day-to-day basis because of the things that we were able to do and the way that we were able to approach college to even it's almost unfair to ask them to do what they do but um but they've been great with it um they're really like i said they're a fun group of coach to coach they're great kids um and we're going to keep plugging away here and, and hopefully get in a bunch of games as soon as possible like we've mentioned you guys won 19 games a season ago um you know in order to be a postseason caliber club you always hear it guard play guard play um you you return a trio of guards and mason faulkner also matt halverson marcus thomas and just talk about the, the foundation you have with those guys and we'll talk about some of your other pieces sure yeah i mean i do think um and i you know i think when we're tucked away over here in western carolina a little bit um, you know, people kind of forget about us, but I do think we have, uh, we have a really good group coming back. Um, I'm really excited about the recruiting class that we have as well. Um, but to your point, you mentioned three kids that have been through it. Uh, Matt Halverson and, and Marcus Thomas are both senior guards that have been in this program um, for a long time. And it has been a part of our sort of our new system for the last three years. So they know it really well. Um, Mason Faulkner, I think, is one of the elite point guards in the country who I don't think gets nearly the attention that he deserves. Um, he's the only player in Division One basketball to average 17.6 rebounds and six assists uh, last year, and he's returning, um, you know, after going through sort of the NBA draft process. Um, you know, how he doesn't make the, the Kuzi Award list and things like that, I have no idea. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, we feel really good about where we are. We also, we also returned three, three freshmen that uh, got extended minutes for us last year. I think we were the only team in the league that, that had three true freshmen in their first year of, of college that were in our top seven. Um, you know, we had to go that route when Cameron Gibson went down with an injury and Cameron Gibson two years ago was on, our, on the all rookie team and uh, is making his way back from, uh, from an injury. So, um, you know, with, with the guys that you mentioned with the three freshmen that, that played a ton of minutes last year for us and started a bunch of games, um, you know, we feel really good about, about what we have and, and, in the backcourt and you know our front court may be the question mark what people are asking and they may be you know a little bit inexperienced but those guys have played minutes um guys like tyler harris guys like xavier cork so um you know we're excited about uh, about where we are um and the group that we're we have coming back and certainly the young kids that we have coming in you talk about those young kids coming in, uh, seven newcomers, six of those freshmen um, prior to Western Carolina. Uh, you had spent an awful lot of time in the upstate of South Carolina at uh, Walford and Winthrop. And so just talk about the, the hay your staff is making on the recruiting trail and uh, some of those newcomers you have. Yeah, I think – 
like I said, I think they've done an unbelievable job. Um, you know, we were, we were fortunate our, when we got here um, a few years ago in the spring, um, you know, just in that first recruiting class, we had, you know, two kids that were first team all league players last year. And, and Carlos Dotson, who will miss a ton as a junior college transfer, uh, was a first team all league player now is playing professionally in France. Um, and Mason Faulkner, who turned into a, a first team all league player as well after, you know, last year after his redshirt year as a transfer from Northern Kentucky. Um, and, and, you know, again, it, it's, you know, there were other really good players in that class and Cameron Gibson, DJ Myers, and, um, you know, and, and, and were able to, you know, I think keep it going last year with um you know the three kids that you know that played a ton and Travion McCray and Tyler Harris and Xavier Cork and you know the young man that, that nobody's really talking about was a redshirt freshman is a redshirt freshman this year who redshirt for us last year as a, mere, as a young man named Amir Langley um who was a very good high school player and, and, and somewhat highly recruited and uh, had a great redshirt year last year and is, is doing really well so you know, those guys, like I said before, they're much smarter than I am. They do, um, they do a tremendous amount of work, amount of work um, on the recruiting trail to continue to bring the, the talent level here um, as high as we can possibly get it. Um, and you better because this league across the board is, is, is really, really good. And if you don't show up really any night, you know, in league play, um, it's going to be a rough night for you. So you better have good players. You better know what you're doing a little bit. Um, and I'm fortunate that my staff does much more than I do. Yeah, you talk about the league. You created a nice segue for me. Um, you take a look at East Tennessee, UNCG, everything Wes Miller's doing there. And, um, you know, backing up a little bit with ETSU, obviously Coach Forbes moving on to a program that you're very familiar with, with Wake Forest. Um, and you have Furman that's been so good. Uh, Walford, who you know so much about, having helped build that program. And then Chattanooga. I mean, man, the Southern Conference is a tremendous league. Uh, so, so just talk about um, – What's it going to take getting from the middle of the pack into that upper echelon and buying for a league crown? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the funny thing was, was, it was like, you know, you go back in, you know, when, when we were in the league and, and when I was in the league at Wofford years ago and things like that. And when, when teams, as we talked about previously, when teams like Davidson or App or Georgia Southern or Elon, you know, when teams leave the league, everybody sort of thought the basketball level was going to come down a peg. Um, but let me be the first to tell you, when I got back in this league a couple of years ago, I, I had no idea that the, that the league and the level of basketball had gone up. Um, you know, unfortunately, for the last couple of years, I guess on a national level, unfortunately, we've been a one bit league in the Southern Conference. Um, but I feel quite strongly that, you know, had the top team in our league not been the top team and team and, and done what they were supposed to do and won the, the conference tournament, uh, that we would have had multiple teams. I think East Tennessee would have got in last year as an at-large team had they not won the tournament, and they did. Um, and I think Wofford would have gotten in two years ago without question had they not won the league tournament, but they did. Um, it's just a really, really good league. And, um, you know, I think for, you know, last year was something that was sort of always in the back of our minds. I think everybody sort of talked about the top four, the top four, the top four. And, um, you know, then it was sort of every else and that bothered us um it will continue to bother us but um then it's up to us they, they they say you know every i'm a big nfl fan and whether i'm a huge steelers fan and whether it's the steelers and the browns or the patriots and the bills or whoever it is they say you know you don't have a great rivalry until the other team starts winning some of them um and that's our job we understand that challenge it's not we can't talk about being in the rest of the pack until we start knocking off some of those teams that are supposedly in the upper echelon but um you know it's a brand new year it's a brand new challenge our kids are extremely hungry after how uh last season ended 
um, you know, a little more abruptly than we would have hoped. Um, so it's, it's good. I, I like the bunch that we have. I like where they're at motivation wise. And, um, and, and, and that's part of it to make sure that we sort of get out of that middle of the pack um, and find our way up around the top of the elite standings. Taking a look at your schedule, obviously teams are playing 27 games, um, if at all possible, rather than uh, 31. Um, but, you know, every league's handling this differently. And we were talking about that with Coach Kraft just a few minutes ago. And, you know, Coach Kraft was going through um, in very um, much detail just all the opportunities, or not opportunities, but just options that were presented and put on the table by the Big South. So how's the Southern Conference handling this? Because I – actually saw that the schedule was announced here recently yeah we have our schedule um you know and i think if you think everything is going to work out exactly how it's scheduled right now you're being a little bit naive i, I hope it does um you know i think like we all are all are bobble we're just hoping rooting for science and treatments and vaccines and, and and hopefully that stuff comes along as quickly as possible um you know if not like i said our kids have done an unbelievable job of, of being responsible and, and, and trying to give us the best chance to, to play um and play as many games as possible but as we all know you can do it entirely the right way and, and still have bad results on, on on a testing day so um you know i think that if you if you don't have some backup plans you're, you're probably not doing it right and i think that the southern conference is very prepared for that um you know we have a schedule i think that's come together even though we're we're not 100% ready to release it quite yet, but I uh, feel good about where we are scheduling wise and, and, and feel um, that we at least have it on paper. Now, I think you are, you're going to have to be, you know, open to some different uh, game times and things like that, just with travel and, thing, and, and things that teams are going to have to run into this year. But, um, but you sort of have to be ready for anything and play at any time. And um, it's sort of fun. It's sort of fun in that way. It's fun for our kids who, you know, they're used to playing AAU games, you know, at 8 a.m., 2 p.m. and 9 p.m. So, um, you know, it's nothing for them to, to play at random times and different opponents and one day preps and all the other stuff. So uh, we're looking forward to it. I think, you know, if you try to, if you try to take it too seriously, you try to be too rigid with it, um, you know, you'll, you'll drive yourself crazy, but, uh, but we're sort of taking it day by day and uh, our kids are doing the same thing. And uh, I know that sounds like coach, coach speak, but at this point you can't really do anything other than that. So, um, you know, we feel good about, about the schedule we have and, um, and hopefully we'll have a chance to win a couple of them. Yeah, the way Coach Kraft described it, it sounds um, very much like a, a baseball schedule as opposed to a basketball schedule, you know, playing the same opponent in consecutive days and, you know, just getting creative um, to do anything you can to, uh, number one, allow for safety and, and take care of the student athletes in that regard, but then also get the games in. Yeah, definitely. And I think they've gone to that in the Big South as far as playing back-to-back -back games. I think I, I could be wrong in saying this, but um, on the course of a weekend, it, it's somebody's place, whether it's home or away. And um, again, I think you have to be prepared for everything. You know, right now our, our schedule is still very similar to what it had been, um, you know, with Wednesday, Saturdays, and things like that. And, and hopefully we can continue on that path. But, um, you know, you do, you have to be a little bit open to everything. And, um, you know, and I said, fight that fight that urge to be rigid and, 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 you know, this is how we're going to do it. And I need two days to prepare for whoever it is. And, you know, we're all going to be in the same boat. It may not look pretty and it may not be exactly how we, uh, we would have done it, but uh, 
but there's a lot of things going on in the world right now that uh, that aren't exactly how people had planned it. So, um, you know, being flexible and, and, and keeping your team, you know, even keel and things like that, I think is a big deal. But we have a pretty loose group. We don't need to uh, do too much to, to loosen those guys up. So, um, you know, that's part of what makes it fun. And they're just they're looking forward to playing, you know, anytime they'll let us throw the ball in the air. I know they're looking forward to seeing somebody in a different jersey. They've, they've been looking at each other since July. So, um, you know, without scrimmages and things like that this year, it makes it a little bit difficult. But um, but uh, but yeah, we'll be ready to go, you know, whenever they let us play it. Absolutely. Well, Coach, we really appreciate your time. Um, but before we let you go and tell our listeners how they can follow you on social media, if you're on Twitter and the like. Yeah, I, I mean, our our uh, our basketball program has a has a Twitter page. Um, I don't even know. I think it's <laughs> I don't even know exactly what it is, uh, but it should be hard to find. I think it's Catamounts MBB or, or something along those lines. I have Twitter. I, I, I do have Twitter. Um, it's at Mark Prosser 15. Um, but, uh, but you know, it's, uh, you know, I don't do a ton on social media. I don't have anything else besides that. Uh, it's a great way to get, uh, get information quickly. Um, so that's why we have it. But, uh, but uh, absolutely would, uh, would, you know, certainly look forward to following y'all. And, um, and again, I appreciate you having the time to bringing me on and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Look forward to having you back on down the road. Um, continued success there at Western Carolina, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Bubba, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks very much, Coach. And uh, thought a lot of his dad, Bubba, and the time in Winston-Salem and the tragedy there. I think uh, Skip years ago was uh, jogging on the campus of Wake Forest in Winston-Salem and uh, had a heart attack and passed away. And uh, good for him uh, being obviously – the, the old adage, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree as his son is doing as good. Uh, looks like he's going to do as well as his dad, Bubba. Yeah, Skip Prosser was a heck of a basketball coach. And, you know, I think back to his time at Xavier, I know that was his second head job, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I know it was at least his second, if not um, Yeah, that sounds uh, right. And, and then he moved on from Xavier to Wake Forest, did a tremendous job with uh, Wake Forest. And uh, then one of his assistants, Dino, Dino Gaudio, excuse me, um, did a nice job as well, even though Wake Forest did not go as far into the big dance as they would have liked, and they chose ways and chose to part ways with him, um, really have not been the same since, um, have only made the big dance once. But, um, yeah, Mark Prosser is doing a heck of a job in Cullowee and um, and really look forward to seeing how he continues to build that uh, WCU program. And Culloway is a beautiful area, Bubba, but also is Asheville. We're going west to east. And next stop, you had a chance to talk to UNC Asheville head coach Mike Morell. And let's go to that conversation right now. We continue on with our State of North Carolina Division I basketball preview. And right now we're very excited to be joined by the third-year head coach of the UNC Asheville Bulldogs, Coach Mike Morell. And, Coach, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Coming on the show, um, quite a transition that's taking place there with the Bulldogs. Uh, you're entering year three, as I mentioned. So just talk about where you see things uh, headed into your third year with that program. Yeah, really excited about our program here, uh, how far we, we've came and, and uh, you know, a little less than three years going into our third season. Um, you know, Asheville's a, a really proud tradition. Have had a lot of success here over the years, and um, 
is really thankful to be to be at a place like UNC Asheville. But we we've made a lot of growth. You know, last year was was a year of growth for us, going from four wins to fifteen wins from year one to year two. And we obviously understand the next the next step for us is the biggest jump and the, and the toughest jump. And so, uh, in a year like two thousand twenty right now, it's obviously something that is a day by day approach. Um, you know, and and you can't. You can't look too much in the future uh, and just try to control every single day. Um, but yeah, I'm really proud of the growth that we've made as a program, uh, definitely on the backs of, of Devon Baker and Cody Jude and LJ Thorpe and Tajon Jones, who, were, who, have been, uh, who have been here with me since, since my very first year. So uh, yeah, really proud of our guys and, and our staff and, and uh, you know, looking forward to, uh, to hopefully um, you know, a really good 2020-21 season. You talk about making that next jump. Uh, you, you mentioned going from four wins to 15 wins. I know out of your 16 losses that seven of those were by five points or less. Um, so yeah. that's obviously one of those things as far as, um, like you say, taking it a step further. Yeah, you know, we had a you – know, I think last year of our first four games, five games of the Big South, I think all of those were decided by two points. It, it was just, it was crazy. Um, our first four losses of, of the season in Big South play were, about, were by a combined eight points. And so that really showed a little bit of our immaturity. Uh, not really immaturity in a, in, a, in a bad way, but just needing to mature more in order to win a lot of those close games. And coming down the stretch, we won – uh, five out of our last six one-possession games. And so I thought that, you know, going into the offseason, that was as big of a stat as we could possibly have. Uh, and a lot of that comes with some luck, but a lot of that also comes with just experience of being in that. We were not in a lot of close games my first year. And so um, having the opportunity to be in those, learn from those, and then grow in those, was something that I was really proud of as a head coach. You talk about being a head coach. Before we dive into this year's roster, um, I wanted to talk about your roots um, with you being a third-year head coach. Uh, Oliver Purnell, I know you spent four seasons with him at Clemson, mm -hmm. and then also uh, Shaka Smart, and you had the opportunity to learn from him at mm -hmm. VCU where you just had a tremendous run, and then also the University of Texas. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been really blessed, man. I, I've, I've had the opportunity to be around, uh, work for Coach Purnell, and work for Coach Smart, but also work with some, some guys who are, are just as good, you know, Mike Rhodes and Jamie and Christian, Will Wade, Jeremy Ballard, uh, all these guys that I've had the opportunity to work with over the course of, of my career. Uh, I'm just I'm I'm really blessed. I, it's nothing that I really did. I was just kind of in the right place at the right time. So, yeah, I mean, our program, uh, the ins and outs of it. You know, my my plan has always been for it to mimic uh, what we were at VCU back back in 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 those days, where our style of play is very similar, um, you know, both offensively and defensively. It was something that um, guys just enjoyed playing. You know, they, they, they love to play in that type of system. And when I got here, we weren't able to, to get right to the nuts and bolts of that, but we, we've definitely evolved into that over time. But we've got a, 
we got we're, we're we're not DCU South. Don't get me wrong. We're uh, you know, we got we still got a long way to go. Yeah, um, not to get off on a tangent, but since we're talking about that VCU run that you guys had, um, I'll tell you what that that team that made it to the Final Four, um, where you guys proved Jay Billis wrong, and when he said you guys shouldn't have been in the tournament, that, that was a lot of fun to watch. You know, the the next I, I actually I missed that year. I came in right after that. I was there the next four years. The next that next year, we actually broke the school record for wins. So Coach Smart went to the Final Four in his second year on that team that you're talking about. Then the next year is the year I, I can't remember what we were picked in the CAA, but we Brad Burgess was was the only returning starter and we we won 29 games that year. And even to this day, everybody that was on that staff, we all agree that was our favorite team ever, you know. And and so looking back on those VCU days, it's a lot of fun, man. And But winning is fun, and we did a lot of that. You talk about how you had the opportunity and you were very blessed to work under some tremendous head coaches as well as assistant coaches. But um, you're also blessed to have a point guard like LeVar Batch Jr. there at UNCA. Mm -hmm. So just talk about him. He's a guy that had originally gone to NC State out of Concord, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. LeVar is obviously a dynamic player in terms of style of play defensively. He, uh, he mimics everything that we want to be about. He is an, an elite competitor, um, you know, and he, he really fears. He doesn't fear anyone or nothing on the floor. Um, he's matured and has really grown as a person since he's been here in his third year at UNC Asheville. He obviously sat out his first year. Uh, last year had a, had a good year for us. Um, he's really been the beneficiary of, of – his teammates as well, Devon Baker and LJ Thorpe, Tajon Jones, Cody Jude, those guys who um, he's been able to share the ball with. So, yeah, LeVar got a lot of notoriety coming out of high school. Uh, I think he's grown a lot over his college career, um, and I hope he continues to do that in his redshirt junior year. I know, uh, I know LeVar, you know, so he led the uh, Big South in steals a season ago. Um, you talk about – and some other guys you referenced, L.J. Thorpe. Um, let's talk about him because I know you um, – last year in L.J., I know in one game against Hampton, he, he produced a triple-double. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an extremely talented player. He's our most talented player on our team. Uh, preseason all-league player uh, for us along with Devon Baker. Um, L.J. is just uh, – he – He's a little bit of a Swiss Army knife offensively. He can he can really handle the basketball. He's a good shooter. Uh, he can post you. Uh, averaged almost seven rebounds a game last year. He's, he's got a, this 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 body. The way that he can move at 220 pounds is 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 really impressive. Um, so I, again, he was here before I got here. I've been really fortunate to have him here in the years that I have been here. He redshirted his freshman year. Um, and he is, I said this yesterday, he's grown as much off the floor and, uh, which has led to a lot of his success on the floor, uh, as much as any player in our program over the last three years. Another veteran guy you have, you referenced Tajon Jones, uh, 6'5", 190 pounds, redshirt junior. Uh, last year, he averaged nearly 14 points per game and uh, almost four and a half rebounds per game. Uh, tell us yeah. a little more about him. 
you know, I really believe he's the most underrated player in our league. I, he, you know, because of, of the way LeVar plays and the way Devon scores and just how LJ can kind of do it all. Tejan can sometimes get lost in the fray, but he is as important to our team as anybody. He led our team in minutes last year. He's led our team in minutes uh, the, the last two years. Um, he's a, he just brings a wealth of experience. I tell him all the time, um, there's literally not a shot that he can take that I'm not okay with. Um, if he shoots it from 30 feet and he likes it, um, he felt like it was a good rep, I'll take it, you know, because I trust him just so much. Now, not everybody in our program has that. <laughs> I can assure you has that uh, ability, but he does, and he's earned it. Um, he's just uh, one of the smartest players that I have ever coached, um, this smartest humans. He's just got this unbelievable mind to really process things. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, if you can tell, I kind of light up when I talk about him. Uh, he, he's one of my favorites. And, yeah, I, I think he's going to have another really, really good year. Um, and uh, he, again, is as important as anybody in our program. Who are some guys that weren't a part of last year's roster and then that you're really excited about? Tell us about your uh, newcomers. Yeah, uh, Evan Claiborne's a fifth-year senior for us, was at North Carolina Central, uh, was a starter for them last year. He's a grad transfer. You know, we needed to get bigger around the rim, especially with the way we press. Um, and so he's he's six seven kid, about 230, 35 pounds, extremely athletic. So he gives us a little bit different dimension that we've not had. Since I've been here, B.J. Marable is a, is, is a player from Knoxville, Tennessee, who I think is going to have a huge impact on our program. He's about 6'9", 230. So, again, two, two good-sized bodies. And then uh, you might know this name. I'm not – Silas Mason was – he's from Ben L. Smith High School in Greensboro. Uh, really athletic. Uh, again, similar to Tajon Jones in like – he processes things just so quickly, so smart. I think all three of those guys are going to have a, a really big impact on our team this year, um, all six, seven or above, and just extremely athletic, great movers. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about those guys. I will say this, though. Um, he's not a newcomer, but he always falls through the cracks. There's a kid named Trent Stephanie for us. Uh, he played about 20. 20 minutes or so a game for us last year. If we were to play today, he would no doubt be a starter for us. Um, and it's just, uh, he's not a newcomer, but he was kind of like our sixth starter last year. Um, and I'm as excited about him as anybody we have. Lastly, coach, taking a look at the schedule. I know the Big South released that recently. Uh, very uh, interesting this year, uh, 20 games, a double round-robin format where you're going to be playing opponents back-to-back -back days at that same location to minimize travel. And that's something we've already discussed a bit to, with Gardner-Webb head coach Tim Kraft. Um, but what's your take on the, the schedule this year under the circumstances? Yeah, you know, Tim and I were on a, a working group together um, uh, along with Kevin McGeehan at Campbell and Quentin Farrell at uh, PC and Griff Aldrich at Longwood and man we threw out so many scenarios and and we all this was the sef, the second safest thing that that we we found and 
obviously the league was a huge part of that, but the bubble was obviously the safest way to get games off. And, but it's you know, really hard to pull off uh, in college basketball. Uh, just the ability to test, then go play two games um, was the number one, the best way to get games. Is it fully equitable for everyone? Is it exactly what coaches love? Probably not, but it is the best and safest way for us in the Big South to get to get as many games as we can, as safely as we can. So in a year like this, man, we just want to play. So if, if that means that this is what we've got to do, I'm all for it. And um, you know, hopefully we can get in as many games as we possibly can. And at the end of the year, we look back and we've got a, a member of our league in the NCAA tournament. And uh, we've also got a season we can be proud of. You know, taking a look at your schedule, you have the opportunity to play your first six games in Asheville with five of those being at home. So tell us about those non-conference dates as well as the, the conference opener. Yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky. Asheville's a basketball school. Um, they love basketball here. My AD uh, was – Janet Cohn was huge in putting that um, invitational together on the 27th and the 28th uh, here in Asheville with – Western Carolina, UNC Wilmington, and Troy. We'll get two games in that. Um, and then uh, we've obviously got another home game a week later versus South Carolina State, which is a return game from last year. Um, and then we're doing something a little bit different. We're playing downtown against East Tennessee State, who obviously, as you know, is a, is a great program. Uh, they've had a million wins over the last few years. Um, but it just made sense for both of our programs. We're only about 50, 55 minutes apart. It was a way we could, we could try to do a game safely. Um, and then we've, you know, we've got return games at, at Chattanooga. Um, and then we're at Marshall right before Christmas. So uh, putting the schedule together, as I'm sure as you've talked to other coaches, has, has been something that I can't take a lot of credit for it. You just kind of, hey, you want to play? Yeah, well, let's play. Let's let's try to get this thing off the ground, and you do your best to to adapt. It's it's not, again, it's it's not perfect uh, conditions this year for scheduling, but thankful to at least be able to put together a schedule. And um, as far as the league schedule is concerned, we talked about the format, but just talk about your specific league schedule and um, you know, really the teams to beat in the Big South. Well, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know, uh, not to deflect the question. Um, I, obviously, you know, Winthrop's got a lot back. They're, they're very talented. Uh, I think as you look in the preseason rankings, everybody agreed that they're the, they're the preseason favorite heading into the year. Um, but I know this. I look down at the bottom of those rankings, and that is not who I had down there for some of those teams. And so – uh, I say that because I got I have great respect for for coaches and players in this league, knowing that uh, we don't control. You know, the only thing we can control is is where we finish. So, um, you know, I, we've been picked ninth and tenth the last couple of years here. Um, you know, it, it's it's a very as you know, man, it's a very competitive league, and I think with the way the schedule, you know, fans, no fans, you know, playing out playing at one, one place back-to-back -back days, I think it's only going to make it more competitive this year. 
Um, I just hope we can we can all get as close to 20 games at the end of the Big South schedule as we can. But I like everybody's team, man. And I, I know this. There's nobody in this league that looks at that one and says, oh, that's a for sure win. I, I can assure you that. So, And that's the beauty of this league, really. Coach, we appreciate your time. Obviously, a very busy time of the year for you, um, but continued success to you and the Bulldogs as you build that program there at UNC Asheville. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it, Coach Morrell, and good luck to the Bulldogs this year, UNC Asheville. And Bubba, we're going east, uh, continuing another great coach right now, right? Yeah, a guy that we personally are very familiar with um, from the standpoint that he was on Jeff Lebo's staff and did yep. a tremendous job as an assistant at East Carolina. But hard to believe now that he is in year eight there in Bowling Springs, um, guiding the running Bulldogs. Uh, Gardner-Webb has such a proud basketball tradition, you know, going back to their days in the Division II ranks and uh, really um, before that. Um, but, you know, Tim Kraft, um, Bulldogs last year, their overall record wasn't what he would have liked for it to have been, but um, they were 11-7 and seven in the Big South uh, right there um, behind Winthrop. And um, – Really looking forward to a, an excellent season this year. And let's go to that conversation with Coach Tim Kraft at Gardner-Webb right now. We continue on with our Division One basketball preview for the state of North Carolina. And now we're going to the western part of the state. And we're very excited to be joined by the eighth-year head coach of the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs, Tim Kraft. Coach, welcome into the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Bubba. Absolutely. We appreciate your time. We know this is obviously a very busy uh, time of the year. You're about three weeks into practice. So just talk about uh, that very thing um, that you're, um, you know, dealing with the craziness of the last seven months that has been the coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, how have the Gardner-Webb Bulldogs handled things? Uh, well, you know, I think like every coach you'll talk to, it's it's been different. It's been a different offseason. Um you know, I think just the uncertainty of, of what you're you're facing and, and when, uh, you know, when, when you're going to get, you know, this summer, it was when you're going to get your guys uh, back to campus. Uh, what were you going to be allowed to do? Um, you know, are you going to have face-to-face -face classes? Um, when's, you know, when's practice going to start? When's uh, the first uh, official uh, date of, of the first game um, you know there's just so much uncertainty like with everything else we're, we're all dealing with in life and um, you know athletics has been um, just like that and so um, it's been different um, it's I think it's it's gone uh, I'm very thankful for the way that it's gone here on our campus um, you know we we our, our, our university as a whole is doing very well and and we have uh you know, in-person classes, and, and um, we've had no interruption to those classes uh, throughout the fall. Um, as a basketball program, we've, we've been fortunate to have very few interruptions as far as, you know, once we got everybody here, um, August 18th, August 19th, um, you know, we, we've been able to, to move, uh, move along pretty well. Um, you know, uh, We've had maybe a, a week here or there uh, in the summer and maybe one week in the fall where we kind of had a pause to workouts. Um, but other than that, we've been really chugging along and, and um, 
you know, our players have, have been healthy. We, you know, up to this point and, um, you know, we feel like we're on, I guess, to, uh, tomorrow will be practice number 14 for us. So we're, we're almost half, you know, half of the way you get 30 practices before your first game. So, um, we're close to almost, uh, half of the way there for our preseason. And, um, you know, it's, it's been good so far. Coach, you talk about uncertainty. Obviously, the last several months have, has brought plenty of that. Um, but uh, taking a look at your roster, um, you know, coming off a year where you finished third in the Big South behind Radford and Winthrop, um, they were 15-3. and three. You guys were 11-7. and seven. Um, You have three returning starters, nine newcomers. So talk about your roster. And um, uh, let's start off with those returners. Uh, sure. You know, I just in general, we're, this is the most inexperienced team we've had here uh, in my eight years. Um, usually we have kind of some guys that have, uh, are, are veterans to the program that are just kind of ready to step into new roles. This year is different. We got a lot of new guys, a lot of first and second year players. Um, but, uh, certainly our, our, our three returners, you know, really three players that, that played major minutes for us. Um, and, and those guys are going to be critical to our team. Uh, Jaheim Cornwall is a, a senior point guard. Um, He's a, a, you know, been a terrific player for us his entire career. Uh, he, he, he brings some leadership to the table. He's, he's one of the better shooters in our conference. Um, last season was, a, was an all-conference, uh, I think third-team all-conference all player. Um, so, you know, kind of all starts with him. Uh, we're expecting a lot out of him, um, you know, from a scoring standpoint, but also from a, a playmaking standpoint and, and leadership as, as well. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's a great guy to have in that role because he's an everyday guy and he, he comes to work. He's very coachable. Um, he's got a wonderful personality that, uh, you know, uh, our, our, our team is, and te his teammates gravitate to. So, um, you know, a lot of our season's going to depend on, on the, the things that he brings and, and his, uh, you know, his production both on the court, but also in the locker room as a, as a leader. Um, the other two guys, uh, Ludovic Dufial is a junior for us. Um, didn't play much as a freshman. Last season had a great, great year for us. Played a lot of minutes. Kind of is a, uh, a, a, a guy that plays the four and the five. Um, very long shot blocker. He, he, he set the single season um, Gardner-Webb record for block shots um, last year and uh, led our conference in block shots. He, he's a he's a really versatile defensive uh, presence for our team. Um, you know, hopefully he's going to be able to take some steps offensively, and um, you know he's capable of making threes. and And we hope we see him kind of uh, you know add that in terms of being part of his role that he can be a shot maker for our team as well. But you know, what he brings from from a defensive standpoint and just kind of stability and. Um, what he brings to our offense in terms of just uh, knowing our system and and really how to help other players get good shots with screening and and things like that and spacing um, it's pretty invaluable for our team and you know we, we need him to be out there and be healthy for us um, to be good uh, the other the third guy is Kareem Reed Kareem Reed's a, a sophomore he was an all freshman uh, you know Big South selection last year. And, um, you know, probably, probably played about 20 minutes a game, maybe not quite 20 minutes a game last year. Um, but uh, he's very talented and, and super long and athletic. And 
Um, he's a factor for us on both ends. He's like Ludovic, a, a, um, a gifted shot blocker and rim protector. Uh, but he also, you know, brings a little more of an inside scoring uh, punch uh, to our team. And, and he kind of found some confidence with that um, in the month of February for our team. Um, and so, you know, hopefully he'll continue to get better. He's had, a, I think, a really good, uh, you know, off season, um, despite kind of the circumstances of, of you know, being gone in the spring and, and quite a bit of the summer. I think that he's really maximized his time that he's been here with us in the offseason. He's worked very hard and, um, you know, I, I think the sky's the limit for him um, and, and hopefully can really help our team. So those are our, our three returners there. And our, our the fourth is a guy named Lance Terry uh, in terms of a guy that's played any amount of minutes. He played but in our first 15 games, was a freshman last year, sophomore uh, for us this year. Um, you know, he's a guy we're counting on a lot as well just because he is a guy that that played some minutes he is a, a second year player um and he's a talented guard that can make shots and and very athletics to bring some toughness and um some um kind of uh you know intangibles to the table in terms of his practice habits as well so uh those are kind of our four returners and, and then everybody else is is pretty much brand new Talking about those newcomers, I've read an awful lot about um, Juco All-American guard Jacob Falco averaged nearly 24 points a, a game last year up in Maryland. Um, touch on him and then the others. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, I think Jake Falco probably uh, would be the first guy to talk about in terms of our newcomers. And he's had a terrific preseason. He's um, uh, really tough, um, plays very, very hard. He's got a great motor, which are, are the things that kind of early on you know, are the first things that allow you to get on the court. You know, how hard do you play? You know, what's your mindset in terms of being coachable and, and being able to, um, you know, play the way that we believe in playing? Um, and, and and he checks all of those boxes. Um, so, you know, I've been, you know, I'm very excited about him and he can score in a variety of ways. Pretty good shooter, um, you know, pretty good at getting to the paint and finishing and getting fouled and, um you know, we're, we're, he's, we certainly need him to be good for us. Um, you know, then we've got, we've got, uh, you know, a few guys on our roster that redshirted last season. So uh, they were here with us practicing and um, get, gaining some experience. And, um, you know, one of those guys is uh, Anthony Selden. And uh, Anthony, uh, again, was here last year practicing with us all season. Um, he's uh, kind of a big athletic wing player. Uh, pretty good shooter, um, can, can put it on the floor a little bit. But, um, you know, he's a guy, I think, that, that can bring some versatility to our roster in terms of he can play a couple different positions, can defend a couple different positions because of his size and athleticism. And, and um, you know, we'll, we'll, he's a guy we're going to be counting on. Uh, we have a, a guard named Mick Lanat, who was a, another guy that redshirted for us, a point guard out of Florida. Um, who's uh, just a very athletic, kind of bigger, stronger point guard, um, you know, uh, facilitator and, and guy that can get in the paint and help other guys get shots, can be an impactful defender. Um, we have, uh, you know, another uh, guard coming in here, a freshman guard named Damarian Williams, uh, who's, who's looked really good in the preseason, just very skilled. Uh, he's from uh, Arizona, but by way of Putnam Science, we've had a few really good players from 
Putnam Science Prep School up in Connecticut. And uh, DeMarion uh, is a guy, kind of a bigger, bigger guard, uh, got, got pretty good size and, and skill and for position. And, um, you know, he's a guy we'll be looking to certainly to, to provide some production in, in that kind of, uh, you know, wing spot, guard spot. Uh, Jordan Sears is a freshman, another freshman who's been really impressive for us over the course of the first uh, 13 practices. Uh, freshman guard out of um, Daytona Beach, Florida. Um, just a tough, fierce competitor. Um, you know, uh, just one of those guys who's a little small, but he just doesn't back down from anybody, kind of going to fight you every, every step of the way. And um, I think that competitiveness will allow him to, to play some minutes for us. Um, you know, let's see. we got so many of them. Uh, Jermaine Mann is a freshman. So many new guys. Jermaine Mann's another freshman out of Georgia. Um, kind of a big, uh, another big, strong wing player, about 6'5", probably uh, 225 pounds, uh, pretty, pretty athletic, can, can play the three or the four, really can even play the five uh, because of his strength and athleticism. Um, so, you know, I think another important player for us, he, he's made great strides early in the year um, about learning our system and, and can, uh, you know, I think in this, this COVID era where, you know, you, don't, you never know who you're going to have in and who you're going to have out, um, I think he can, can really help us in terms of versatility because he can play a couple different positions uh, on the floor, can defend a, a few positions on the floor and um, you know, a guy, a guy we're going to need. We got another junior college transfer inside named Christian Alexander, um, who's a, just a big physical post player, low post player, um, just plays really hard. He's, he's, he's extremely tough and physical. And, um, and then Sammy, Sammy Atoto is, is similar to, to a Christian Alexander. Sammy, uh, you know, redshirted was here last year, but big, strong, uh, six, eight, um, you know, similar to a Christian in terms of a, a banging kind of bruising uh, physical presence um, that, again, I think that depth uh, everywhere on the everywhere on your roster is important, but but inside can really uh, be important. And um, both both Sammy and Christian, I think, are important to our team in terms of challenging Kareem Reed and Ludovic Dufial, because um, those two guys are kind of proven post players in our league that are both, um, you know, kind of proven that they can you know, produce and, um, but they're both kind of, uh, more finesse, uh, um, thinner, uh, from a body standpoint guys and, um, Christian and Sammy are kind of the opposite, you know, they're, they're, they're big physical bruising post players. And I think it's good to have kind of that mix and, um, and for Kareem and, and Ludovic to be challenged physically by those guys every day in practice. Coach, as you said a few minutes ago, and we're right around three weeks from tip-off, and you had the opportunity to kind of ease into things as you um, travel to Cameron Indoor for the season opener against the Duke Blue Devils. But um, just talk about the schedule. How's the Big South handling things? And um, um, what can you tell us about your non-conference slate? Yeah, well, we haven't, we haven't really released it, our non-conference schedule yet or our schedule yet, but it's pretty much done. You know, there's been so many moving parts with scheduling here uh, for everybody. Um, uh, but it looks like right now we're going to play five non-conference games. Um, it starts off with kind of a, a five-day um, road swing that, that is – I wouldn't really wish on anyone, but um, – 
uh, hopefully it'll be a fun time for our team to kind of get to know each other and, 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 you know, find out where we are from day one. Um, but, but yeah, first game there is at Duke, which is exciting for certainly our players and our fans to get, get the opportunity to, um, play against a, a story program such as Duke and, and one that's projected to, to, to be, you know, one of the top 10, uh, teams in the country and ultra talented, um, uh, with their roster and, and uh, as they always are. So be a great challenge uh, for us, uh, starting with Duke. And, and that's on the 25th. And um, after we play, we'll, we'll hop on the bus and um, hop on to 95 South and start driving towards uh, Florida, Tallahassee, Florida, um, spend the night somewhere in between and, and Thanksgiving Day, driving to Tallahassee and get a chance to practice and hope celebrate Thanksgiving with our team. And and then um, play against Florida State, you know, another great ACC opponent uh, on uh, November 27th. Um, and, and that'll be exciting uh, for me. My, I'm from Tallahassee. That's where I, I grew up and, um, you know, never really, never, uh, never brought one of our teams at Gardner-Webb down there yet. So, um, you know, my family will be excited about us uh, rolling into Tallahassee and getting a chance to play the Seminoles. And um, so we'll play them uh, – Friday after Thanksgiving and then um, similar to after the Duke game, after the game, hop on the bus and start uh, driving north and uh, spend the night kind of somewhere in between uh, Tallahassee and Athens, Georgia, and then drive in Saturday and practice uh, in Athens and play the Bulldogs um, on Sunday, uh, the 29th. So, so those are our first, our first three. Um, you know, three road games there in five days. And, um, you know, we're going to gonna have an exciting start there to the year. And I think we'll find out a lot about we'll – <laughs> we'll, we'll know a lot more about our team there, um, you know, November – or, excuse me, December 1st when we, when we get back into town and get back into Boiling Springs. Um, so we play those three on the road. We also have a game with VMI. Um, and then we play at Pittsburgh as well. Um, and we'll be at Pittsburgh uh, December 12th. And that's, that's our, uh, our non-conference slate right there. And, and then the, for the Big South um, Conference, our, our league spent a lot of time and our coaches uh, really got together early on, kind of mid-August, and um, spent a lot of time on Zoom calls, weekly Zoom calls, weekly phone calls, um, trying to figure out, trying to just trying to get ahead of this whole thing in terms of, Hey, what's, what's a, the best way for us to play games for us to get a big South season in this year. And, you know, what we didn't want to do was kind of just hope that things would get better with the virus. And just because of the time that all of a sudden, when we get into late December, that um, we're going to be able to play a normal schedule, you know, a normal in our league is a Wednesday, Saturday, or a Thursday, Saturday schedule. Um, and we really, really spent a lot of time looking at every different possible, you know, every different option, hopefully being able to play that traditional schedule. But, you know, if, if the environment, uh, you know, looks like it's not changing much that, that we'd be able to play games in the safest way possible. And, you know, we talked about bubbles and on campus bubbles and, um, you know, uh, different types of pod structures and, you know, really just looked at every, every, you know, put, put every option on the table and just kind of flushed out uh, the, the, the pluses and minuses and 
Um, I think we landed at a really good place. And, um, you know, it's, it's totally different than anything we've ever done. And we probably wouldn't want to do it as coaches in another year. But I think where we landed was, was in, a, in a pretty good place and that our league has decided to, to play 20 games. We have, ele- we have 11 uh, schools in our conference. So um, we wanted to try to schedule as many conference games as possible, feeling like, hey, our conference games are the most important games. And um, we had planned on playing 18, but we bumped that up too. And so we're playing everybody twice in our league or scheduled, scheduled everybody twice in our league, um, 20 games. And, and the way we're doing that is, is uh, every opponent we're playing on back-to-back days in the same location. So, uh, for instance, um, when we play Winthrop this year, um, I can't remember exactly what days of the week, maybe it's Thursday, Friday, but when we play Winthrop, you know, we play uh, at Winthrop on Thursday and then the next day, the next Friday play at Winthrop again. And then uh, for instance, uh, Campbell, um, Campbell will come to Gardner Webb and they'll play us at Gardner Webb on back to back consecutive days. And um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we, we, we uh, feel like that's a good model in this climate. Um, one, it minimizes travel. Uh, you know, it, it puts you at five trips instead of 10. So the exposure that you and your team have while you're traveling and staying in hotels and that type of thing um, is minimized. And then, you know, a, another really big part of it is it, it minimizes your exposure to other teams in short amount of time. You know, in our normal traditional schedule, we're playing – you know, two different teams a week, sometimes three different teams a week, and sometimes four different teams in in eight days. You know, you might – we have some three-game weeks in there typically, so you might play on a on a Thursday, a Saturday, and a Monday, and then another Thursday. And four games in a really short amount of time, you know, about eight days, and all different opponents. So the exposure across the league to each other – you know, um, could potentially, you know, knock out, you know, three, four teams in a week and um, really, really, um, you know, mess up your, your, your conference schedule. Um, So the way that we're doing, I think minimizes uh, that exposure. And then the other thing that I think really helps us as all of our programs is that playing on the back-to-back days helps us to have more time between sets of games so, you know, at minimum, we're going to have three days between sets of games. And then sometimes we'll have four days, five days, even, you know, seven days in between sets of games, sets of two games. So, you know, I think with all the, the, the you know, variables that we're going to be dealing with as, as coaches and players um, in terms of testing and then dealing with positive tests, with contact tracing and, you know, after each set of games, just figuring out, you know, what your roster is going to look like. Um, there's going to be a lot to juggle with all of that, not to mention, you know, preparing your game plan and, and uh, scouting report and all those things. It's just kind of figuring out who's on your roster um, from week to week um, is going to be challenging. So, you know, that spacing in between sets of games, I think is, is another uh, really, um, you know, positive to, to this uh, scheduling format. 
Coach, really appreciate the visit this morning. You certainly had plenty of success during your uh, seven plus years now in Bowling Springs with the Gardner Webb program. Um, uh, you know, you, uh, you have assembled an excellent staff on with the likes of associate head coach Jeremy Luther, whose stadium tab is the top assistant in the Big South and everything that he does on the recruiting trail as well as on the court. But um, have really enjoyed this visit and the insight into your program. We look forward to having you back on down the road. Hey, thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. Coach, appreciate you very much for all that you're doing. A great program there at Gardner-Webb, and uh, continue that. That's awesome. Uh, we'd love to see Bubba in the state of North Carolina. Great basketball, and he's the epitome of that right now. Uh, we're going to move east now to Greensboro, and one of the head coaches we'll talk to the in the triad area now is uh, he took over the program last December, and uh, this is his first free, first full year as head coach. Let's go down to North Carolina ENT head coach Will Jones and let's go to that conversation right now. Continue our preview around college basketball around the state of North Carolina for Division One. Right now, Bub, I know that uh, we're going to Greensboro, right? Yep, we have three first-time head coaches in the state this year and one of those is at North Carolina A&T. Right now, we're very excited to be joined by the First-year head coach of the Aggies, Willie Jones. Coach, welcome into the show. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, great to be with you. Uh, you were a great story last year, Coach. I know that uh, Bubba and I have been talking about uh, you were the interim uh, coach last year. So talk about uh, your experience. I believe you took over for the team. Was it last December? Yes, in December. Took over in December. I got the call uh, on Christmas Eve. Oh, that's a great uh, that's a great <laughs> Christmas present, right? Definitely, definitely a great, great, great for Christmas present. No doubt, and uh, had a great season. For people that don't know, you, uh, I believe you went as an interim fourteen and five, and mm -hmm. uh, the MEAC Coach of the Year. That's pretty impressive to be an interim coach. And uh, talk about that experience of taking over, and just to keep uh, for, for Bubba and I have coached before, just to keep the team. Uh, going and alive is great, but you did more than just that. You did a 14 and five for the the conference and me at coach of the year. That's that's really impressive. I need somebody to do the research. Has it ever been an interim coach to win the coach of the year? I just need to do somebody to do some research. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> that's, I was that's Bubba. Bubba, look it up. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing, coach. When I saw that, um, I thought that's impressive. Um, it was, you know, to be honest with you, man, it, you know, it, it, it was not as easy um, as it looks. Uh, you know, Coach Joyner, the former head coach, uh, me and him, you know, we came to North Carolina A&T together, very close friends, and, you know, had the goals of building this program to the best that it could be. And, you know, going through an investigation and that type of thing, it, you know, it wasn't easy for me because, somebody I talked to on a daily day basis and, you know, just wasn't able to communicate at a high level with them. And so, you know, my biggest thing early was just trying to make sure that the kids um, didn't lose out on the season that we thought we were going to have. And so, I, you know, we thought we were going to be good at the beginning of the year and I didn't want anything to come in between um, them and, you know, helping them reach their goals. And so, um, you know, the staff, the assistant coaches, that were on staff and the guys that bought into what we were doing. And we were, we were able to go out there and play a high level of basketball um, night in and night out. And so, um, you know, having an opportunity, you know, the first game my coach in conference play, a home game versus FAMU, uh, we got up probably as much as 30 points in the first half. 
And, um, you know, I, you know, I thought it was going to be easy. And um, they ended up coming back within the last five minutes and taking the lead by five points. And I'm looking around like, man, is this how I'm going to be inducted into Aggie Nation as the coach? And uh, having Cam Langley in, in overtime, he was able to uh, get us going and, and we were able to win that game. And we didn't have another close game like that, you know, really the rest of the conference play. And so, um, you know, that got us off to a good start and um, baptized me pretty early, but uh, ended up being an exciting season. Um, and I was just destroyed that we didn't get a chance to uh, get to that MEAC tournament and have a chance to get to the NCAA tournament. Coach, that's the, my next you, – you read my mind, a nice segue uh, to uh, Bubba and I were talking about your record last uh, – just a few hours ago and you knowing we were preparing for the interview and the 14-5 and five and you get the – being an interim coach, a MEAC uh, coach of the year, uh, something that Bubba and I know we're scrambling around, but we haven't found anything. But then – so you, you have this incredible feat of keeping the team together and and winning the being the coach of the year and the fact that you guys couldn't play in the tournament and then not only the MEAC tournament but the fact of the NCAA tournament I just want to get your thoughts on that and then from being a co head coach as you are uh, one of the things that Bubba and I are concerned about and get your thoughts on we can't go two years in a row without an NCAA tournament oh man um you know uh we plugged in, um, you know, our last game of the season, uh, ESPN game versus North Carolina Central at in Durham. Tough game, um, highly, I mean, they call it an instant classic. Um, you know, very, very regular season championship game. And uh, we, we lost that game. And uh, we, lost, we, we were winning the majority of the game. And you got to finish people on the road. You can't give people on the road an opportunity. And um, so we lost that game, but we lost that game knowing that we felt like on a neutral floor, um, we didn't believe that anybody in our league would be able to beat us. And so um, we played that first game versus Howard and uh, won that game, you know, Cam Langley, our team, we had 26 assists, I think like five turnovers in that game. And I think we were primed to, um, to make a run. And so, um, you know, that kind of hurt our guys. We had some seniors that, really paid the price and wanted to have a chance to, to, to win a ring and put a ring on. And uh, that really hurt. But we also had a lot of guys that were coming back that we talked about earlier that, you know, we just have to stay focused. And, you know, it's a process of being a champion. You know, we, we're not interested in just having a good team. We want to have a good program. And um, North Carolina Central and the MEAC is a good program. And, you know, we give them their respect. Coach Moten has built a program over the last decade that's been uh, battle-tested. And that's, that's not going to just happen. You're not going to take that over just by having a good team. you got to have all the ingredients. And so I felt like right now we're, we're, we're hitting on the cylinders to be that great program in this league, even though we're not going to be in the league after this season. But, um, you know, the NCAA tournament, man, it's something that every coach I talk to and you know, you've seen it on Twitter and in all these articles that the NCAA is going to figure out a way to make that happen. Um, and so, you know, we all have these schedules. We're, we're scheduled to tip off on the 25th of this month. And uh, we, we have these schedules and we're just hoping to be able to get out there and play. Um, COVID has affected every program in the country in terms of uh, guys consistently being able to practice 
um, because of this virus. And so we're just hoping that um, we're able to get out there and play, play safely, and then have a chance to, um, you know, play in our league, win it, and get to the tournament if, if they have one. Coach, you talk about the schedules. We'll take a look at that here in just a few minutes. Um, but you've referenced some of your personnel. You mentioned Cameron Langley. And we'll get get into this year's roster in a moment. But um, Ronald Jackson, uh, he's a guy that you lost from a season ago, 6'8", and averaged a double-double. Yep, Ron Jackson, junior college transfer. I actually coached Ron. I was out of coaching one year after leaving Jacksonville University, and I coached in the high schools in Jacksonville, Florida, and I actually coached Ron in an all-star game. He was only about 6'5". And, um, and so I'm a Florida junior college recruiter, and I'm just kind of going through stats. And I'm looking at these stats, man, and I see Ronald Jackson. He's averaging a double-double. I'm like, whoa, man, let me see what's going on. So I call Ron. He said, hey, coach, I'm down at Hillsboro. I'm doing well. I said, hey, man, I'm going to get on a plane and go see him. And so I go down there, and he's grown. He's 6'8", and he's jumping all over the place. And I'm like, man, we got to have this kid. And so I thought that he would – be really good for us, but he ended up being a player of the year type caliber player his last year with us and really helping us excel in the style of play that we uh, we kind of adapted late in the conference season. And so he's overseas playing and accomplishing, you know, and, and, and you know, achieving his goal of being a professional. And so I'm happy for him. Uh, he was a big part of what we did last year. Cameron Langley, he started off 31 ball games, played more than 32 minutes per game, um, average right at 10 points and more than five rebounds. So talk about what he and uh, also Fred Cleveland Jr. on what they bring to the table. Now, Bubba, my name's Bubba. Your name's Bubba, my name's Bubba. And I'll say, I'll, I'll say Bubba, Cameron Langley, Cameron Langley is uh, one of the best point guards in the country, man. You know, when you're talking about point guard who understands the game, who knows where players are on the floor, what, you know, knows who's, you know, guy, what strength guys have. That's who he is. And um, that's why he led the country in assists last year and uh, why he's going to have an unbelievable season again. Um, you know, Fred Cleveland, a kid that I recruited out of Chicago last year, we were looking for, a, you know, kind of a point guard that can score. Cam was kind of a facilitator. And so we wanted to look at somebody who could score at the point guard spot. And, and Fred was two inches taller, man. He would be playing in another league. And uh, he had an unbelievable year, uh, all-rookie team in the MEAC, and I expect him to have another good year also. Coach, I wanted to ask you about uh, one of the things we've been talking about, COVID-19, and uh, you were talking about players and recruiting. Uh, talk about your upcoming classes or what you can or what you're looking for, if you can. Uh, I know that with or as far as the process you're going through right now, I know it's got to be hard with trying to recruit. You, you're already – it's already a hard process to begin with being a coach and at your level. Uh, but then when you add the recruiting thing, and then now it's uh, the new wrinkle of COVID-19. Man, I mean, to be honest with you, man, COVID dropped some presents for a lot of us, to be honest with you. Um, you know, COVID, um, you know, the pros and cons of things, and you got to look at the positive side of a lot of things. Uh, we actually probably signed the best freshman class in the history of North Carolina A&T his class, uh, two kids out of Georgia. I mean, excuse me, one kid out of Georgia um, uh, that was a Conference USA recruit, three-star recruit out of South Carolina, and a four-star kid, top top 100 kid out of Texas, Duncan Powell. And so we, we have uh, an unbelievable class this year, 
And really and truthfully, if, if games were going on, if uh, coaches were able to do visits, home visits, there would have been it would have been a lot more competition, a lot tougher um, to get land a couple of those kids. But um, COVID is a you know being able to have a relationship, do some zooms, stay in contact. Uh, it was able to give us an opportunity to uh, sign some of those kids that we signed in this class that we're really excited about. Coach, in addition to Cameron Langley and Fred Cleveland Jr., talk about some of the other pieces to your roster on guys that we can expect to see significant contributions from this season. Man, it's, you know, obviously uh, coming back, Tyler May, um, VCU transfer, um, had multiple 20-point games last year. Um, Quay Parker, uh, kid transfer from Tennessee, uh, ESPN, uh, top 10, you know, unbelievable dunker. A defender. He's going to be a senior for us. Just tough. He's a he's our grit. He'll be back. I expect him to have another really good year. Ty Lyons, a six 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 seven wing who had some really good games for us last year. Finished at a really high level. Um, he's going to be expected to step his game up to another level. And then the new guys. You're talking about Blake Harris, a four star kid that transferred in from NC State. That um, another pass first point guard like Cam at 6'4", and is athletic, that should have an opportunity to be a first team all conference type player. Um, and then, you know, a couple of junior college transfers, uh, Quentin Jones and Jeremy Robinson are looking to uh, replace that, that production that Ron Jackson um, produced himself, both, both bigger physically than Ron. And so, um, you know, I expect those guys to do some really, really good things for us, man. And uh, we got one lone uh, freshman, Milton Matthews, a kid uh, that we got out of the uh, D.C. DMV area, who, again, because of COVID, uh, really got him. He was really being recruited at the Atlantic 10 level. Um, and, you know, really the only reason we got him was because I told him if, if, if he didn't if he didn't get his SAT scores, I'd probably still bring him in as, a, as an academic redshirt. And, Three week, three weeks later, the NCAA said they don't need an SAT score. He said, "You know what, coach? I trust, <laughs> I trust you. I'm coming to North Carolina A and T." So that was another another gift for us. And coach, one of the things I wanted to talk about too before I forget, I know Bubba's going to talk more about the the roster, and uh, we'll talk about schedule. But I want to throw this piece into it too. It's, it's a great campus. You've got a great city, Greensboro. That's uh, you know what? It's great because I was born at Moses Cone, so. Okay. Um, there, uh, but anyway, um, I love Greensboro for many reasons, but that's one of them. And then also the fact that your school academically is very underrated. I don't think people understand how great a school academically. So not only do you get the great um, basketball and you get the athletic part piece of things, but also the student athlete, the student part is great too. We're kind of in the golden era here at North Carolina A&T. Um, I think a lot of people made a lot of sacrifices for this university um, years ago to put it in a position where it's performing at a high level academically. Uh, the enrollment, uh, we have, you know, 60% uh, increase every year in applications. Um, we're right teetering at 13,000 students on campus undergraduate level right now. Uh, every sport on campus is winning at a high level. Um, and there's tons of great energy going on at North Carolina A&T. And so um, it is a good, it is a university that's pushing out some of the top engineers, business people, educators in the state of North Carolina. Our chancellor likes to rave that coming out of college, 
we're second to NC State and in, in, in our undergraduates and their salaries when they come out. And so some great things happening at North Carolina A&T outside of the basketball basketball court. Coach, earlier you referenced um, your background recruiting in the JUCO ranks and uh, in, uh, in also Jacksonville University. You spent some time at Charleston Southern, uh, had also been at the D2 level. So just talk about how each one of those um, coaching opportunities prepared you uh, for this opportunity to be a head coach at the Division One level. Bubba, you know, I've always had uh, tough jobs. Every job I've had – were tough jobs. Up until being the head coach at North Carolina A&T, my best job was the junior college job at North, Northwest Florida State, uh, where it probably, you know, was the top junior college, top five junior college in the country. And so um, the morning on, a small D2 job in Memphis, Tennessee, I had an opportunity to work for a guy, Smokey Gaines, who was uh, Dick Vitale's assistant coach early in his career at Detroit. And so the unbelievable uh, lessons I learned from him and the connections and the people kind of being able to rub uh, my elbows with early in my career was big. And, uh, you know, Charleston Southern uh, was a, was the first job that I, I had uh, in the Big South. And Barkley Raiderball, who's the tenured coach in the Big South, uh, that one of the toughest jobs in the country, uh, one of the toughest jobs in the country. Uh, my staff, you know, people, I, 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 I amaze people with the stat that I'm going to give you guys. My staff at Charleston Southern was myself, Bob Ritchie, who's the head coach at Furman, and Mike Morrell, who's the head coach at Asheville. All three of us are head coaches right now, and we were all at Charleston Southern as young assistants. And we took that job from a bottom feeder job to two Big South championships, uh, and, and, and all of us left to take different jobs in, 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 in better situations. And it's just a testament to the job that Barkley, you know, as a leadership down there at Charleston Southern and having the opportunity to go to Jacksonville and work in that league with Cliff Warren. He was one of the hottest coaches in the country at the time. We had some really good teams there. And in Atlantic Sun, man, you had some unbelievable mid-major basketball teams. You talk about Dunk City at Florida Gulf Coast. You talk about the Belmont teams who were down, you know, who was going to the tournament and upsetting people in the first round. You talk about those good Mercer teams that beat Duke in the first round. I mean, really good basketball in that league. And, um, you know, so my journey in all of those jobs, man, in Jacksonville, we had an older gym. Jacksonville was like the VCU of basketball in the 80s with Artis Gilmore. They were kind of ahead of their time. That team went to the Final Four with Artis and a couple of other guys they had on that team and you know that tradition was still there but they never really upgraded their facilities and so we had a really good name really good campus but the facility was still a, a older facility you know these kids now they want to have uh, the bells and whistles and so uh, but now you know I tell people that's why I really like North Carolina A&T because uh, we really have some resources that I didn't have in some of those other leagues. Coach taking a look at the schedule and um, talk about how the MEAC is handling things uh, I'm just looking over your schedule. It seems as though you're going to have a pod of maybe four or five teams and, and play one opponent uh, four games, and um, that will make up your, your conference schedule. Yep, conference schedule, um, they split us up in divisions, the north and the south. And um, you're right, we were scheduled to play everybody on our side four times, but now I think it's going to change. We're waiting on a new schedule because Bethune opted out this year. And so we're still waiting on that final uh, schedule from the MEAC. 
And coach, I know that with uh, everything going on uh, with COVID, uh, they've knocked it back a couple weeks where you can't start until November uh, 25th. As a coach, I know that you're going to tell me that you always want more time, but you guys are going to be chomping at the bit. Normally, we would already be talking about the first week of the regular season, and now we had to push you back to closer to Thanksgiving. Yeah, it, it, I, I told her we'd be 2-0 and right now. We'd be 2-0. Uh, <laughs> we would uh, – our first game, uh, North Carolina uh, – excuse me, uh, UNC Greensboro would have been a home game for us, and we would have drove, driven down to Jacksonville to play those two teams. So we would have had two games under our belt at this point in time. But to be honest with you, man, with COVID and having to shut down a couple of times, I mean, it feels like we're cramming sometimes. It feels like even now we're still cramming to make sure we have everything in that you can go out there and be, you know, feel comfortable about winning a basketball game. And so it's been a different time, man. It's, it really has. We haven't had as much, even though it's been pushed back a couple of weeks, we really haven't had the time and the consistency uh, with our teams to, to, to be ready for that first week. Normally teams would have one or two scrimmages or an exhi exhibition game, but, you know, no scrimmages for the Division One teams and no exhibitions. And so yeah. that first game, man, you really got to come out and, and kind of – it's really three scrimmages, man, to see what your team looks like against competition. Well, Coach, we're very excited being November 25th. We're going to keep an eye on things for you there in Greensboro at North Carolina A&T. Very excited to have you on the show, and I hope we can get you back on and, and talk some hoops and see how, how you guys are doing down the line. Definitely, man. At any time, uh, hopefully we can get out there and play some good ball and um, have, you know, get some W's in our belt in this diff difficult time, see if we can finish on top. All right, we enjoyed having you on. Thank you so much for spending time with us, and uh, good luck this season. Appreciate it, guys. You guys be safe out there. Thanks very much, Coach. Appreciate it very much. North Carolina A&T, the Aggies, head coach Will Jones and Bubba, very excited for them as uh, – like he said, I don't know any time that you've seen an interim coach get coach of the year in the MEAC or anywhere for that matter. And uh, congratulations to him. I know that you're the research guy and the stats guy. Have you ever seen anything like that? Yeah, I, honestly, right offhand, I don't recall seeing uh, an interim head coach and receive uh, coach of the year honors within his conference. But that was the case last year for Will Jones. Uh, tremendous job there with North Carolina A&T and the MEAC and uh, had them, uh, you know, nipping at the heels of uh, LaBelle Moten, uh, who we'll talk to here in a few minutes um, with North Carolina Central and the, the um, dynasty he's built there, um, you know, winning championships year in, year out, and going to, to multiple NCAA tournaments. Um, next, though, um, before we talk to North Carolina Central's head coach LaBelle Moten, uh, we caught up with Elon head coach in his second season with the Phoenix, Mike Schrage. And uh, let's go to that conversation right now. As we continue our college basketball preview across the state of North Carolina, let's go to the great city of Burlington and the triad. And with us right now, the head basketball coach of Elon University, the Phoenix. And that will be Michael Scroggy. Coach, how are you? Doing good. Safe and healthy during these times. I appreciate you calling Burlington great. Uh, I, I agree with you, um, but doing, doing as well as possible. Yeah, sidebar really fast. Uh, one of my favorite restaurants is in your town. I love the cutting boards. So I haven't been there in a while, uh, several years, but uh, always a good place. Uh, hopefully I'll make a point to see it very soon. Best, best steak in town. Uh, it may get me in trouble, but the cowboy ribeye there is my, is my favorite. So. 
uh, no doubt. Uh, we can. Uh, I know you didn't come on here to talk about restaurants, but I love to eat and uh, definitely great. Another thing I love is college basketball. Coach, uh, honored to have you on. Appreciate you coming on our college basketball preview. Obviously, North Carolina is uh, no stranger to basketball. And uh, so Bubba and I, I put the show together to uh, honor our coaches and players and programs in the state of North Carolina. And uh, I know that you're in one of my favorite conferences, uh, the the team we primarily covers East Carolina used to be in the colonial and um, very excited to talk to you about uh, the Phoenix and obviously Elon and about the colonial too. It, it is a great conference. This is a huge attraction for me coming to Elon. Elon is a school, but being this great state of North Carolina for basketball and then and being a great mid-major league like we are. No question about it. When you look at uh, basketball, I know you're entering the second year. I know you're building the program at Elon. Can you talk about that and the process? And I know it's, uh, it's, it's a daily grind, right? It is, you know, especially these days. Um, but, you know, our first year last year is all about the process, not a whole lot about results, just about getting better every day. And I thought that's what our group did. Uh, we played our best basketball at the end of the year when it mattered most. And November, December, January last year were tough. And then we were able to complete our season right before COVID really hit and kind of canceled everything. And we finished pretty strong and we're really excited to build on it. We're, we're talking a lot about making progress now. We lost uh, Lily, a high major score playmaker, Marcus Sheffield. So he's a huge, huge loss for us. But uh, like our group and just excited to hopefully build something special here at Elon. So. And, and coaches. Hey, before we dive into this year's Go ahead, Bubba. Okay, go ahead. Before we dive into this year's roster, um, let's talk about um, last year was your first year as head coach there at Elon. So just talk about, um, you know, you'd spent eight years at Stanford, also time at Butler and Ohio State. Um, so how was your first year as a head coach? And, you know, what were some of the things that uh, went as expected and some things that, hey, um, that didn't exactly go as I thought, but now I know how to go about it the second time around. Yeah, you know, expectations, you know, for for last year's group were pretty low going in. We were picked last in our conference, and, you know, I, I knew we'd go through a lot of growing pains. We had a lot of guys who had, you know, need to develop reference points as college players, need to gain experience. So, you know, November, December, January, we didn't win a whole lot. So it was it was hard, hard to take a head coaching job. You're thinking, hey, let's go. And, and uh, you know, I, I never – I don't feel like I ever get too stressed out, and part of that's because of – the place I've been and and I've had a lot of kind of roles different places I've been including Duke I was the ops guy at Duke for a long time and uh when you're an ops guy you know you learn kind of to tackle A to Z in a program so I think that really prepared me to be a head coach where I didn't have just an awareness of the X and O's and the and the you know the daily practice planning and and game prepping but also a budget and equipment and all the details were probably someone who's kind of handling everything for the first time. It's a lot to juggle. Um, I thought the perspective I had helped and, um, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was the first year we needed to have. And, and now, you know, expectations are rising and, 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 and you know, it gets even tougher now, you know, cause uh, this, this, the first year was pretty easy to kind of bring a, a new vision and, and maybe energy. And, and now, you know, we have some guys who have accomplished, we got some new guys coming in. Um, the real coaching starts now, to be honest. So. Coach, with uh, one question that's obviously the elephant in the room is certainly with 
COVID-19, it's been such a crazy year. I know you've been assistant and like you were talking about ops at Duke, but uh, this is just absolutely uh, surreal. It's like a really bad movie um, and definitely uh, one I hope that will end uh, pretty sooner than later. But how difficult has it been this year uh, as far as coaching, recruiting, uh, the whole day-to-day -day kind of thing, knowing that we have, we're in such a fluid era right now with every day is so different? You know, it's been unique, um, but you know, everyone's living with it, right? It, it, everyone's in the same position really, you know, in terms of recruiting, having to zoom and doing everything, not, not in person. Um, it's been a unique experience for everybody, but um, it, it is what it is. I, I've just told our team to embrace it and, you know, stay positive through it. Um, hopefully stay negative testing, stay positive overall, but stay negative testing is, is a huge, huge key as you guys know. And um, we're, we're maintaining that. We haven't been interrupted. We didn't do a whole lot of team stuff. We didn't do any team stuff to be honest until October 14th, the first official day of practice, I'm sure, you know, some teams started earlier. Um, we, we kind of took it step by step and seeing the big picture with our team, but also our school and our athletic department, just trying to be smart um, as we advance forward. And, you know, since then we haven't been interrupted and like the progress we're making, but, you know, just, it'll be, it'll be an interesting year. And I think everyone's just got embraced. I think everyone's learned a lot about their teams probably more than ever. Um, we were supposed to have a ton of time with our team this off season uh, we we're supposed to go to Italy uh, in August. Obviously, that got wiped up, wiped out <laughs> months ago, uh, you know, and, and we we're supposed to have a lot of additional practice time. And but it is what it is. And everybody's kind of going through this, the, the same situation. Um, putting back together the schedule was difficult. But being here in North Carolina really, really benefited us because there's so many programs and so many great programs. If you kind of try to stay local and you had games farther away, be canceled. It was kind of easier to put it back together. So really proud that we were able to put eight non-conference games um, together and hopefully it will, it will stay that way. You know, hopefully our, ourselves and the teams that we're playing will, will, uh, will be negative so we can, we can play those games and progress forward with the season. But um, just have our guys embrace it. Say it is what it is. We're lucky to be together. Let's have perspective. Everybody's going through it and uh, let's take it step by step. Coach, one of the uh, things I want to mention too, before we dive into um, into the roster and that sort of thing. And the schedule is uh, the very fact of the NCAA I, I read today where uh, they're looking at one tournament site for the entire tournament. I just want to get your thoughts on, I know that you've got a lot to deal with and that's a long time away with the uh, basketball seems like such a long, uh, long schedule and a long journey. But how do you feel about that? Having one tournament site? Very smart. I think I, you have to put the end game first for our sport, especially the NCAA tournament has to happen this year. Um, we're relying on it. A lot of athletic departments, a lot of schools are relying on it, right? The TV revenue, the money, everything. You can't afford to miss it two years in a row. So the bottom line is we have to get to the NCAA tournament, how many games everyone's seasons consists of. In the meantime, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully everybody plays enough games to qualify and, we're remaining positive and optimistic about it, but I think it's a great plan. I think it was the right move and um, spent time in Indianapolis. I think it's a great city to do it too. They obviously have the facilities and the resources and the pride to, to pull it off. Coach, you talked prior to last season, um, you guys were picked near the bottom of the conference this year. You were picked fifth out of 10 teams. And so just and talk about some of the guys you have returning. Last year you had the CAA's Rookie of the Year in Hunter McIntosh. And you also have – Another tremendous um, sophomore now in Hunter Woods. 
And so talk about those guys and then the others you have returning because I know you have four starters back. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, we lost a real key starter, Marcus Sheffield. He's a grad transfer from Stanford, a young man I recruited to Stanford and decided to join us. And we'll miss him a lot. I think he was even compared to Cam Riller and Nathan Knight in our conference who may get drafted here there this week. I, I think he was playing as well as anybody the last month or six weeks of the season. So we'll miss him. But besides that, we have a lot of our team coming back. You mentioned the Hunters, who are key guys for us, who, who played a lot last year as freshmen. We're thrown into the fire. Had to be, to be honest, we're able to play through mistakes and grow. And now they got to make the next step. I keep telling them, hey, be confident for next spring. You can't be comfortable, especially as sophomores. Um, they're sliding up to scout report. Marty Sheffield, you know, our grad transfer is really option 1A, 1B, 1C, I think, on the other team scout report and every in other coaches' prep. So those guys are going to have to grow their games. They have been. And um, we had another freshman last year named Zach Irvin who missed the last month of the season. And unfortunately, he's going to miss – this year as well, if an injury, um, he's a big loss for us. Uh, he was he was on pace to be an all freshman, you know, player named in our conference too. But then he missed the last month. But we got a lot of the rest of our team back. Simon Wright is our kind of lone four year senior. Um, he was playing the best basketball of his career last year, and then he got sick and, and missed a few games. And then he came back later in the year and then missed the conference tournament. But um, he's a great leader for us and. If, he's, if he can remain healthy, he'll have a chance to get back where he was at last year, where he was trending so well. Um, Chris Wooden is, is a junior for us who ended up starting a lot for us, playing a lot for us the whole year, can really shoot the ball, has worked on his complete game. Um, so we, we're older. We're still pretty young. You know, the older you get, the better you get at our level. And we still have eight freshmen and sophomores. Um, so we're still pretty young. And you know, these predictions you mentioned finishing, you know, predicted fifth. I look at the teams that are picked in the second half of our conference, Charleston, Northeastern. Those are two class programs and coaches. Some of these other teams like Wilmington has their whole team back and have added high major transfer. Um, it's it's the Colonial is always competitive, but this year there may be as much parity as ever. Um, just hope we can we can pull it off, but it'll be it'll be interesting. And coach with COVID-19, I just wanted to get your thoughts on how is I know you can't talk about individuals who are recruiting and all that, but NCAA wise, but how is recruiting going generically? And I know things have been way different with uh, like we're doing now a Zoom call, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a little zoomed out. Hopefully, we won't have to do it with our team anymore. Hopefully, there aren't interruptions. Um, but certainly had to do a lot with recruiting. We, we completed our class in the fall, um, we just signed them this past week, so that was a good feeling. Um, to kind of be past at least four the current senior class and obviously working ahead for future classes. Um, but, you know, a, a big difference for us in, in recruiting is we have a beautiful campus. we got a brand new arena. And so you try to show it as best you can over Zoom and over FaceTime. But we learned, like, our, our grad transfer this year from Bryant University, we recruited him in March, uh, obviously, when this all, this all broke and the limitations all started. And it was always neat for us, like, to, to he, we got a commitment from him. But then when he visited in July for the first time, and, and just to see his eyes open up and like, hey, I saw this through Zoom, I saw this through FaceTime, but to, to see it in person, to see the Shar Center, our beautiful arena, to see our beautiful campus, it makes a major difference. But uh, to answer your question, we're done recruiting, we believe, for this class. And it's, it's a good feeling. We can just focus. As always, we're focused first and foremost on our guys, but we can really zero in on them in the season. 
Coach, talking about the season, uh, let's talk about the schedule. And before we dive into how the CAA is doing things, uh, talk about your non-conference schedule that includes the likes of North Carolina and Duke. Yeah, we're excited about it. It's, it's, it's going to be a challenge, um, but, but you'll, you'll continue to learn with me. I'm not going to be afraid to play anybody anywhere. I think that's where you grow. I think that's what gets the young men in your program excited. Uh, we were supposed to go out to Cal. We were supposed to go Northwestern, have some pretty neat trips. Obviously, those got canceled almost months ago. We kind of knew that wasn't going to happen, so we had to get creative. And um, North Carolina was already on the schedule. Duke, we, we, we got a chance to join their MTE, their tournament. And, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to have some of those games on the schedule as we're telling our guys to sacrifice for our season, smart with every decision. Um, you're getting tested now once a week. We're getting tested now starting this week, three times a week. Like, I wanted those games to appear, and every game is, is, is going to be a tough one for us. But all of a sudden, you got Duke and Carolina on the schedule. It kind of entices the guys even more to say, hey, you know, I, I, I believe in our guys and the decisions they're making, but kind of entice them, hey, to sacrifice – you know, to, you know, to, to get them to have to lay out a schedule that really, really excites them um, during a time that there was so much uncertainty. But we're, we're not going to be afraid to play any teams in North Carolina. We got UNCG now on the schedule It's going to be one of the best mid-majors, obviously, in the country. West has done a great job there. Uh, teams like Campbell, High Point. Um, we're, we're playing uh, Mercer, who's become very much the class of their league. and will be a tough, tough game for us. We're going to Howard who's, you know, been recruiting at a different level here recently. And we're going to D.C. That'll be the farthest trip that we make in the non-conference. But we have eight games. That was the biggest goal. Is can we, you're allowed to play pretty much nine with our conference schedule being 18 and say, hey, you know, can we, can we play as many as possible? And you want to be optimistic and positive, hey, all of them are going to happen. And I'm certainly thinking that way. But to have eight scheduled and, you know, compared to a lot of programs, I think we're pretty fortunate and, and we're especially fortunate because there's so much great competition and teams to, to schedule in this area. And coach, you, know, you talk about the league schedule and the CAA being 18 games. Uh, I was taking a look at things and every league's doing it a little bit differently. Um, but I uh, see uh, you guys will be playing the same opponent in consecutive days for the most part. And there is maybe one or two occasions where you have a day in between, but, um, you know, minimizing travel and all those sorts of things in the COVID era. Yeah, I thought it was necessary. I, I think it's smart by our conference. What makes our conference so unique is our footprint. You know, we go all the way up to Boston, down to Charleston. And that could be a little bit harder to pull off right now compared to all these regional schools where it is all bus trips or you could conceivably do bus trips. Um, we have a two round robin. We're 10 teams. We're not like one of these mid-majors that has 12 or 14 or these high majors now where you're not playing everybody even during the regular season. So I, I think we needed to, you know, maintain our footprint where we're still playing and, and then we're, we maintain our true round Robin and that was achieved. And we'll see if that that's able to happen, but I thought it was the right step. I really do. Uh, it's going to be interesting to play teams back to back Saturday at one Sunday at one. It's going to be a little bit like NBA, you know, being a part of a series. You may have, who knows, you may have to have, have the same referees. I got to, manage that better on, on, on the first game and relationships knowing I may see them the next day too. But uh, I'm excited. I think the, the Colonials put an amazing amount of thought into pulling off this season and uh, there's no foolproof playing with it, but I've uh, been really impressed by the leadership of, of the conference and obviously our athletic director, Dave Blank. And coach, maybe you can talk to coach Kennedy uh, there with the baseball team since they have like weekend series or they have two or three in a row in the same team. Maybe you can tell him, uh, find out from him how he does it. He's the best. I, I, I lean on him a, a lot. That, that, that's a good point.
So. No question about it. We're looking forward to the season. And I tell you what, where's the, uh, by the way, out of curiosity, uh, what about the conference tournament? What are they doing uh, with it? Right now, as scheduled in, in Washington, D.C., um, it, it, that was where it was last year. I thought it was great. It's very centralized for our league. And the plan is the same dates and the same format. And um, the, the key is just getting everybody to that point. <laughs> so, which, which, no, again, I'm, I'm, you'll learn me. I'm an optimist. But, you know, and I, that's why I just put a lot of trust in our conference and, and our athletic directors. And that we put so much time and thought into it. I think there's no foolproof plan, but I, I feel good about the, you know, if, if there is one. Uh, if there if there could be one, I think I think we got as close to it as possible. That would be fantastic. I remember the uh, back in the '90s with East Carolina and the old Colonial being at the Richmond Coliseum. So uh, great to see that the tournament has moved to DC, a great uh, city, and certainly a city that's known for basketball. Absolutely. Well, Coach, thank you so much. I appreciate the time and the visit with uh, Bubba and I as we move around the state of North Carolina with a college basketball preview. Good luck to uh, the Phoenix this season and the CAA and the non-conference. And uh, hopefully we can have you back on soon. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, welcome at any time. appreciate you guys and the attention and uh, all the best. Stay safe, stay healthy. Thanks very much, coach. Appreciate you very much. Good luck to the Phoenix this year. Uh, Elon, I know Bubba, they struggled last year, but I think they're going to do better this year in the CAA, don't you? Yeah, I do. Um, they're a program last year, and they really did a lot better than they were expected, even though they had a 13-21 right. and 21 record. They showed a lot of improvement, and I expect that to be the case once again. And uh, by the looks of the preseason poll, the CAA coaches and media expect that to be the case as well, as the Phoenix were picked, I think, fifth out of ten in the Colonial. No doubt about it. Coach Scroggy is a great coach, and uh, he's working really hard, I know, and We'll see, I know some great things. Speaking of great things, Bubba, this next guest is uh, someone I've uh, followed for a long time now, and he looked like he was had a shot at getting the job, uh, but he pulled his name out before he had a shot with East Carolina. If you remember that, the co after Coach Lebo resigned, um, this next coach looked like he may be leaving North Carolina Central, but he stayed there in Durham. Yeah, Coach Lavelle Moten has done a tremendous job at his alma mater. And, you know, I think back early on in his tenure when the Eagles took down NC State and, um, you, know, mm -hmm. you know, had some success um, in the NCAA tournament, either giving people a scare or uh, it seems like they won an early round tournament game, uh, one of those first four games. But um, Lavelle Moten, uh, not only is he a tremendous coach, but having the opportunity to do what he's done at his alma mater uh, makes it even more special. And let's go to that conversation that we had recently with Lavelle Moten right now. We continue on with our State of North Carolina Division I basketball preview. And right now we're very excited to be joined by the longtime head coach of the North Carolina Central Eagles, Lavelle Moten. Coach, welcome into the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Excited to be here. Absolutely. We appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on. Um, it's that busy time of the year. We're a couple of weeks away, not even from tip off, um, depending on each school and um, how they're going about things schedule wise. And so let's just start right there with the elephant in the room with uh, COVID-19. Um, obviously, you, 
you and your team have been back on campus for quite a while now, uh, but just talk about how your team handled the quarantine and then uh, how things have gone these last few months since they've been back on campus. Um, you know, I guess the, the blessing of it is we're all healthy and safety and safe. Um, you know, that's the, that's the blessing in it for us. Um, when you're looking at it from a, a basketball perspective and from a coach's perspective, it's been somewhat of a, um, I don't want to say a nightmare because again, you, you, you want to certainly take into consideration that we're safe, but it's, it's, it's crazy. It's really difficult. Um, we didn't have any, um, availability, um, to work out in the spring. We haven't worked out in this summer and we arrived back on campus and I think it was like a week, a month and a half before we were able to work out. So, you know, you have so much ground to make up and you got a long way to go, a short time to get there. And what happens is you start cramming everything in at once. And, you know, for us, you know, you had to be really careful because of soft tissue injuries. Then you do have the COVID thing that you have to take into consideration. So it's been really, 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 really tough. And talk about the, how's the uh, MEAC handling everything in terms of, um, you know, just all the protocols and so forth. There are some things that are, you know, are fairly standard from conference to conference, but how's the MEAC going about it? Um, you know, right now I think we're trying to play four teams four times and, you know, we just had a team that dropped out, so I'm sure we, we're going to make a, a, a modified adjustment to that schedule as well. So I'm looking forward to hearing from the MEAC really soon. Okay, yeah, and I noticed that uh, preparing for this interview, just looking at the schedule, it looked as though you would have um, a pod of like four or five teams, as you're saying, where you're trying to get a lot of games in against a small number of opponents, and I know other conferences are doing that as well. Yeah, you, you you know, at this point, man, it's, it's, you know, just get some games in however you can and whenever you can and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And, you know, once it, you know, once you enter your, your conference season, you probably want to make sure that you're playing as many games as you possibly can because that's the um, – that's the safest bet, you know, that the programs are making across the country. And so, you know, I'm kind of at a loss of words, man, because it's really just a challenging and difficult season. But, you know, we got to make sure we maintain some sense of adaptability in, in our approach. Do you anticipate playing any non-conference games? Is that still um, a work in progress? I do. We're, we're, we're in, 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 in the process of scheduling now. That's crazy. We're two weeks away from the season and we're in the process of scheduling. So we're still trying to schedule some games and finalize some things as best we can now. Last season, you had a lot of success, uh, 18 and 13, and you were trying to go to your fourth consecutive big dance. Uh, so just talk about um, just big picture, all the success you've had there at your alma mater. I know you had to be awfully proud of what you've built um, and those uh, who've helped you build it. Uh, so just talk about that, and then we'll hone in on this year's team. You know, for me, it's very simple. Um, you know, in, in my position, you better be a very good talent scout. That's a talented individuals that can work with you and talented individuals that can play for you. I've been fortunate to have both. 
Um, you know, I had some amazing assistant coaches and some amazing basketball players who probably um, make me look a lot better than I deserve. And so hats off to them and kudos to them. And, you know, we tried to implement a program uh, based off our core value system and our belief system and, you know, try to hold every single individual, including myself, accountable to 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 what we established every single day. And that's pretty much been the mindset and the motto, you know, from the day I arrived in 2009. And what you see is just a byproduct of us, you know, not only committing um, to that buy-in, but, you know, just just overall bonded effort, you know, I guess to say. And anytime you have success on any level, that's what you're gonna be the recipient of. And I'm, I'm happy to um, be the recipient of some some great basketball teams and a great basketball program um, right now. Taking a look at what you returned from last season, I know um, it seems as though the the backcourt uh, has an awful lot of talent. So talk about some of those guys. Um, you know, we returned a lot from last year, but it's not your typical year, right? We we didn't have the opportunity to work out together, um, and and the the thing is, and the elephant in the room is. You know, and I, I've told these guys this, look, there's one thing to, you know, we're all tough when we walk in the club with Mike Tyson. Like, if we all went to the club with Mike Tyson, then whoever's in his entourage is really tough. But who are you when he's not in your entourage? And I use that analogy because that's who Jabri was. Jabri Blunt was. You know, we were good, but let's not get it twisted. We lost the player of the year. So how tough are we now when we walk through that door? <laughs> you right and so that's the challenge to these guys because we're not only gonna miss his point production but just the fact that he was a grown man and he controlled the locker room and he did an outstanding job of, of leading this team so you know obviously we have talent um but you know we, that yet that that's yet to be um executed you know in this year so we're looking forward to it with Ty Graves and Devin Palmer, you return your top two uh, three-point shooters in terms of number of makes. Uh, talk about um, those guys. Um, you know, they can really shoot the basketball, and we're going to lean on them heavily. And, um, you know, some of the looks that they got last year, we understand that they probably won't get them this year because it was a lot of attention at Jabri Garnick, and they were able to get some clean looks probably based off some double teams or probably not being the number one and two guys responsible um, on that Scott report. But, you know, they, they're, they're up for the challenge and we're looking forward to see how they respond. Um, what can you tell us as far as, um, as far as your front court, uh, what, what do you return there? And, um, and then also touch on any newcomers into the program that you expect immediate contributions from. Well, we returned Justin Wiley. He was the starting center for us last year. I'm not sure if it, though it's points per game average, but um, the main thing with Justin was that he was extremely um, dependable. He was always in the right place at the right time. He allowed us to execute effectively on both ends of the floor, and so uh, we need him to ascend to a new level um, in, in of responsibility and achieve in the same manner. Um, you know, Jabri Blunt's position, that's who we, That's what remains to be seen. We'll probably have to do it by um, committee. Um, so we have some guys who's in that position right now. And, you know, we haven't selected anyone to, you know, anoint, um, you know, as, as a starter. But we'll see what's going on. 
And then, Coach, um, final thing for you, um, kind of a little bit off topic, uh, shifting away from North Carolina Central basketball, but sticking with the basketball theme. I know it's been documented, your uh, relationship and friendship with LeBron James. Uh, so just talk about uh, him being able to win a, a fourth overall title um, and now uh, with the third team in the Lakers. He's the best, man, in, in my opinion, you know. Um, He's one of the greatest basketball players to ever play this game, and we're blessed to have him for not only what he does on the basketball floor, and I, which he's done it over a span of 17 years. So I, I think the world does not honor <laughs> consistency um, the, way, the way it should. This guy's in his 17th year and considered the best basketball player in the league and probably, in my opinion, should have been MVP. I think that's some incredible but not only for what he's done on the basketball court his skill set is unreal and unmatched and unparalleled but just what he's done off the floor to you know help help black people and 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 you know fight for their rights and fight for the justices of 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 us like it's it's unreal you know everything that he's done and tried to um it's hard to imagine, like, you know, what he's done. I just think the guy's absolutely incredible. And I think we need to appreciate him because they don't make him like that anymore. Coach, I certainly appreciate the visit. I um, appreciate the time that you carved out for us today. And we'd love to have you back on the show sometime, sometime excuse me, down the road. Um, best of luck to you and the Eagles this season. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Very much, Coach. A great guy. He's always good to talk to about life. LeBron, <laughs> knowing LeBron, a friend of LeBron, and other uh, great NBA stars, and of course, uh, coaches. Uh, you know, Bubba, the coaching fraternity is so small, as you know, and uh, dealing with no matter what level it is, and certainly with uh, players. And he's such a good guy. I really like Coach Moten a lot, and uh, appreciate him dropping by. And for that matter, all the coaches, as that was our last coach, um, and that's uh, we have. Uh, Part one, we just released a couple days ago. Now we have part two. And I know, Bubba, um, the show must go on, and we're going to have part three coming up in a few days, right? Yeah, and when you take a look at things, um, obviously the programs that we have not covered thus far, I'm still making our connections and, you know, attempting to get the head coaches, if at all possible, from these programs. Uh, UNC Wilmington, with every with uh, Coach Siddle being hired there, um, looking to see how the Seahawks do during a transitional time in, in their uh, proud program's history. Uh, also, uh, Coach Sanchez appears to have things trending in the right direction at uh, Charlotte. Um, the 49ers were much improved a season ago, uh, looking to see if that will be the case this year in year three under Coach Sanchez. Uh, Campbell, uh, also High Point with Tubby Smith. Davidson, of course, longtime coach Bob McKillop and UNCG with Wes Miller, the North Carolina alum, and as the former Tar Heel guard, uh, continues to do great things there with the Spartans. No question about it. Again, Bubba, great job. As always, it's a lot of work behind the scenes as we give you three parts, 18 coaches in Division One, and 18 uh, schools in the state of North Carolina as far as Division One basketball is concerned. A lot of great basketball. Uh, a lot of great players in the state of North Carolina. Very excited about time as, again, the season starts November 25th. It's the Thanksgiving Eve, if you will, the Wednesday night uh, right before Thanksgiving next week. So 
look forward to that. And uh, again, Bubba, thank you so much for your hard work behind the scenes and look forward to the next part, part three, coming out in a few days. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we'll have that for you sometime over the weekend, um, probably, but um, at the very latest, early next week, when we're getting you ready for tip-off on Wednesday, November 25th. All right, fans, thank you so much for listening. And if you want any of our content, it's on Facebook, archived there, of course, on our YouTube channel, and uh, like 20 different platforms between social media and the like. So make sure that you definitely check that out. All right, for all the great coaches and Bubba Rosenbaum, I'm Dave Richmond. You've been listening to part two of our look around the state of North Carolina Division I preview for college basketball right here on the Sports Objective.